0: friends welcome back to the health freak podcast or welcome if you're new this might be a cool episode for you to jump in on because i'm discussing two topics or trends in like the health and nutrition worlds that are popular they're always popular people are always talking about them and i just kind of want to give you an understanding of what's going on when you approach them if they may be a good idea for you or not and yeah how to work through all of that And because I believe that we need to understand what is going on in our bodies when we take these different dietary approaches, we need to understand the processes involved in breaking down these foods and what they do to our bodies, the effects that they can have. And, you know, I just believe that we should not need a medical degree to understand this stuff, to understand the way that the foods we eat affect our bodies, affect our weight, and affect our health. So just to touch on the podcast right now i'm hoping my audio is sounding okay i guess i'll know when i edit it but we've had some flooding in the past few weeks so we had to like pull up our carpets and rearrange our whole basement and little office space which is where i record so now i'm sound to me like i'm in some sort of cathedral but yeah hopefully it doesn't sound like that to you um i hope everyone's doing well taking care of yourselves and you know i know it's it's a wild world out there right now so um without touching on any of that i'm just wishing you all well and let's just jump into today's episode. So today I'm going to talk about the ketogenic diet as well as intermittent fasting. So I've tried both and my experience doesn't matter because I'm going to touch on the facts here anyway, but you know, I know a lot of people and I'm a personal trainer, you know, I've I've talked to many, many people about nutrition and diets and all these things through the years and um the one that people always come back to trying is keto. Everybody wants to try keto, but they never stick to it. So you know, people are always asking me questions about this and I'm constantly having to talk people off the ledge when it comes to cutting out carbohydrates and even with fasting, like not eating or when should I eat and what should I do? And it can be very confusing. And I know people approach these topics usually with the goal of losing weight. Um, And so I just want to touch on that and say that, you know, anything that you can't see yourself sustaining for the long term isn't for you. So if you can't see yourself cutting out carbohydrates for the rest of your life, it's not for you. That means it's not for anyone because who can cut out carbohydrates for the rest of your life, right? Okay. So let's just dive into keto. So keto stands for ketogenic. And what the ketogenic diet is, is a breakdown in calories where most of your food comes from fat. So like 70 to 75% of your calories coming from fat and 20 to 25% coming from protein and five to 10% coming from carbohydrates. So we're cutting out carbohydrates almost entirely on the ketogenic diet. Okay. So this is why, you know, a lot of, and this comes from like the Atkins diet, the South beach diet. There's been many iterations of this pattern in the past. And, you know, I'm sure you or somebody, you know, has tried this diet. I've done this diet. I, when I was like super carnivore Kelly, I used to do this um, here and there and, I loved it because I was just eating a shitload of bacon and cheese and things like that. As you may know from listening to other episodes of my podcast, I wasn't exactly healthy, okay? So yeah, the ketogenic diet has you cutting carbs and getting the majority of your calories from fat. So when you get into this diet, what happens is your body now starts to burn fat rather than carbs for energy. So the reduction in carbs ideally puts you into ketosis. When you're in ketosis, fat turns to ketones in the liver, which again, supply energy to the brain. Okay. So people are really drawn to this diet because they mostly see a big drop in weight very quickly, um, which is very enticing to people, you know, who want to lose weight, like very quickly, very immediate and you know, the people who are always looking for that magic pill to weight loss. Okay. And once again, we'll get into it, but this is not a great approach to weight loss as it is completely unsustainable. There was a very big study done in 2014 in Nature magazine, and this was not intended as like a study on ketogenic diet. This study was intended to demonstrate that humans can manipulate their microbiome through diet, and to be the first study to prove that in human beings. So during this study, there were two groups. One group ate an exclusively plant-based diet, which consisted of grains, legumes, fruit, and vegetables. The other group consumed an animal-based diet, which was made up of meat, eggs, and cheeses. So they chose these foods to um, basically span the diversity of what modern humans eat. So. They, these people in the groups were observed for four days before the diet to measure their normal eating habits um, and to get a baseline nutritional intake for each of these groups. And then during the study, they were observed for five days to see how a change in dietary patterns can affect the gut microbiome. This was a pretty groundbreaking study because they observed very, very clearly that what we eat can in fact manipulate our gut microbiome very quickly okay so remember this was just over the course of five days and what they saw in the animal based group was a decline in anti-inflammatory bacteria an increase in inflammatory bacteria a decline in short chain fatty acids which essentially heal the gut a big increase in bacteria that has been clearly associated with inflammatory bowel disease There was an increase in antibiotic resistance and an increase in bacteria that produce secondary bile salts, which are associated with colon cancer. So the participants that were eating the animal-based diet were clearly taking in a lot of saturated fat, right? Those plant foods don't contain saturated fat. Um, Not to say none do, of course, like coconut oil and things like that do, but not at the same rate that animal foods do, okay? Red meat, cheese, um, all these things, they contain high amounts of saturated fat. So what happens when we consume a lot of saturated fat is it feeds right into something called TMAO. TMAO is trimethylamine N-oxide. And again, it's produced when your body digests red meat and it's strongly associated with coronary artery disease, stroke, chronic kidney disease, Alzheimer's disease, atrial fibrillation, congestive heart failure, major risk of cardiovascular problems here, okay? And it's due to the carnitine and the choline in these foods so again very clear from this study that our microbiome is a direct reflection of what we eat okay so eating high fat animal-based ketogenic diet builds a microbiome that is designed for animal products okay it primes your gut to only be ready to take in those animal products this weakens the gut microbiome in regards to carbohydrates and plant foods now your microbiome becomes designed to not produce short-chain fatty acids Short chain fatty acids are absolutely essential. They are the key to a healthy gut and overall good health. They protect us from type two diabetes, insulin resistance, weight gain, et cetera, et cetera, okay? So yeah, you will lose weight on a ketogenic diet. You'll lose weight, you'll probably have a drop in weight very quickly. But when you come off of this diet, as you inevitably will, there is not a person on earth who can sustain this for a lifetime. You will, without a doubt, of course, gain weight back plus some, most likely. You will also have major food sensitivities, okay? You're going to have insulin resistance. You're going to have, again, weight gain. There are no health advantages to this diet. There are none. Um, And a lot of people argue that for, for example, diabetics, it can help to lower blood glucose. However, this is completely artificial. It's a Band-Aid. It's a mirage. It's not real. It does not actually solve the problem. Without carbohydrates, you won't have to elevate Your blood glucose you know what I mean so it's not that the problem is solved It's just putting a band-aid over it because it doesn't have to do that work now because you're not consuming carbohydrates carbohydrates are not the problem when it comes to insulin resistance all in all this diet can help you lose weight but it makes you less healthy in the process so any diet that does that help you lose weight but make you less healthy that's not worth it that's not a sustainable or a healthy dietary pattern to follow and yeah, I've heard people talk about a plant-based ketogenic diet, which is possible. So you know, you would get your foods from plant sources with no animal products. So of course, you're not going to have that same TMAO effect. But again, we do need carbohydrates, and this diet, a plant-based ketogenic diet, can feel even more restrictive than an animal-based ketogenic diet. You know, eating a whole foods plant-based diet or even a whole foods predominantly plant-based diet is rooted in abundance it's all about abundance you know eating this way i've said it over and over again there is just so much variety so much diversity so many possibilities of what to eat and when you restrict carbohydrates whether you're eating animal foods or not you're restricting fiber okay which is absolutely unhealthy you need fiber everybody needs fiber so again there are no health advantages to a ketogenic diet I don't think there's really much more to say than that. You know, this diet, again, was designed to help epileptic children in the 1920s. It wasn't designed for us to gorge ourselves on meat and cheese to try to lose a quick 10, 20 pounds. Okay, Um, that's not what it was intended for. It's unsustainable. It's unhealthy. Don't do it. Cool. Cool. (laughs) P.S. One more thing on this topic, kind of you don't need to be on a ketogenic diet to have this TMAO effect. If you're somebody who is eating a diet very heavy in red meat, in meat, in cheese, in eggs, you know, you're still going to be taking in a lot of saturated fat. So you could still have these effects, even if you're sneaking in a potato here and there and not completely in ketosis. Okay. So it's just something to think about if you're concerned with your health, if you have risk factors in your genetics, you know, just because you're, this is a topic for a whole other day, but I'm already on the subject. (laughs) You know, just because something is in your family, in your genetics, doesn't mean you are bound to have that same problem, okay? Your genetics are the gun, your diet, your lifestyle, that pulls the trigger. Your gut microbiome can alter your gene expression. So you're not bound to have anything just because your parents or grandparents may have had it. So if this is ringing some bells for you, I really would encourage you to take a good look at at your intake and try to focus more on the foods that are going to contribute to your health. Okay, moving on to intermittent fasting. Um, I just wanna say that I just recorded saying intermittent fasting about five times because it's really hard for me to say. IF is a term that's actually being misused. So true intermittent fasting means that you cycle through phases of, or periods of fasting and eating. So there are different ways to do this. One is known as eat, stop, eat, where you would fast entirely for 24 hours, once or twice per week. So you wouldn't eat anything at all during that time for 24 hours. Another approach would be to have two days of the week, non-consecutive days, where you would consume only 500 to 600 calories and then eat normally the rest of the five days, your normal you know, calorie intake, whatever it would be. This approach, the IF approach, overtly lowers calories and can be used as a weight loss tool It's definitely not for everyone and it's not necessarily the best approach for weight loss for everybody. But losing weight is really not the only reason people do this. People fast for lots of reasons, religious reasons, spiritual reasons, like we see in Islam, Christianity, Buddhism, Judaism. So, but as far as weight loss, it does clearly lower your calories if you're not eating at all for one or two days per week. And the other two days, it's not like you're gonna make up for it and eat an extra two to 3,000 calories. You're just gonna eat normally on those days. So hormonal changes during fasting can also contribute to weight loss. One study even showed that intermittent fasting causes less muscle loss than continuous calorie restriction. So, you know, if you've been, you know, lifting or working out in the gym and you're building some muscle and you want to diet down a little bit to lose some fat or whatever your reason may be, this has been shown to cause a little bit less muscle loss than if you were to just lower your calories each day. So, back to intermittent fasting not being for everyone it may be more beneficial for men than women so one study showed that it improved insulin sensitivity in men but worsened blood sugar control in women so there have also been lots and lots of anecdotal reports of women who lost their periods while doing intermittent fasting and getting them back after they resume their regular eating patterns you know hormonally Men and women are very, very different. So it's important to keep that in mind that what you might read about a certain way of training or eating may not have been studied on women. Chances are it wasn't. So it might require you to do a little bit more research to figure out if it's right for you. So it's really not recommended for women of reproductive years, premenopausal women to fast in this way. Um, It's definitely not recommended for women who are pregnant or breastfeeding. So why is this term intermittent fasting being misused? The reason is that when people nowadays are referring to intermittent fasting, they're usually referring to a pattern where you maintain a shorter eating window each day. So for example, a lot of people will only eat between the hours of like 11 a.m. and 7 p.m., thereby they're fasting for 16 out of 24 hours of the day. So this is not intermittent. You know, this is something that you're sustaining daily. The term for this way of eating is time-restricted eating or TRE. Okay, so should we be doing TRE? There are really some amazing um, benefits to doing this, but I will just start by saying 16 hours is a bit excessive. You know, it's not necessary and it's not recommended for, again, those populations, including women who are pregnant or breastfeeding, also teens and kids, people with immunodeficiencies, people with dementia, people who are training really hard or maybe high-level athletes who might need more calories at different times, you know, of the day, depending on when they train older individuals who experience weakness and people with a history of eating disorders or who currently have eating disorders. But for most people, a 12 to 13 hour fasting period daily can be really, really beneficial. Okay. So the reason is, and now we're going to get into all like the science of this is because time restricted eating allows us to tap into our circadian rhythm. So circadian rhythm is our natural biorhythm that ebbs and flows during each day. So every single living organism has a circadian rhythm, okay? So plants, fungus, everything, even our gut microbes, okay? Those very, very important little gut bacteria that can keep us healthy or keep us not healthy. So regarding the circadian rhythm, we were essentially designed to turn on with the sunrise in the morning and to turn off or to slow down with the sunset at night. So to really, really tap into the circadian rhythm, we should aim for an early dinner. Optimally, this is how we would do it. We would aim for an early dinner, finish eating by 6, 6.30, 7 o'clock, really not much later than that. Um, and then after that, you would only consume water, no tea, no coffee, nothing um, until the mornings, you know, 12 to 13 hours later. So i know everyone's wondering if coffee breaks the fast if you go on any sort of social media you'll see people giving their opinions on this but the fact is um the answer is yes and no (laughs) so it's no in that if you're fasting um if you're fasting in an attempt to lose weight and like you know eating in a shorter window to maybe cut back on some calories um the black coffee or like a minimally enhanced coffee won't really stop that from happening it's not really going to halt your weight loss efforts but the answer is yes in that coffee will still interact with the gut microbiome so essentially turning it on for the day again going back to that circadian rhythm so it's up to you obviously everything is a personal choice but it does interact with the gut so it does basically start your day off but as far as fasting for weight loss it's not really going to make much of a difference so why do we even or why should we even care about the circadian rhythm so it's actually pretty important physiologically we're very different at different times of day. Like, you know, those times of day we have when we're feeling like more alert and we're getting our work done and we're kind of in the flow. And then those other times when we're really moody or really irritable, that can be due to your circadian rhythm. So to break this down a little bit more and how this can affect us and affect our health, um, let's take glucose regulation, for example. So when we're asleep at night, Obviously, we're not eating. We're not intaking any food. The body doesn't expect us to have any food coming in, but we still need to have glucose available during this time for the tissues in our body. So during the night when we're asleep, glucose will naturally get released into the body and insulin secretion gets shut off because insulin would normally take the glucose we have in our blood and save it for later. Okay, So in the morning, that gets switched. That gets flipped around. So now In the morning, you have more insulin secretion as we have glucose coming in once we start eating. The circadian rhythm is what helps coordinate this process. So during the day when we're exposed to light, melatonin is suppressed. That's why we're not falling asleep all day, okay? At night when it's dark, melatonin comes out to play and suppresses insulin secretion. So this is one example of how the circadian rhythm prepares your body for what needs to happen. These things don't just happen randomly, okay? This is coordinated by the circadian rhythm. It's meant to help keep things moving as they were meant to, for us to be digesting food during that window in which we're eating during the day and then to rest and repair at night while we're asleep. Another example um, is cortisol, which peaks early in the morning to help us wake up for the day. Side note um, about cortisol peaking early for the coffee drinkers, and this is something I've recently learned when I cut out coffee for like six months, caffeine spikes cortisol. So if you want to avoid a spike in cortisol that can feel like stress to the body, you're going to want to hold off on your coffee or your first cup of coffee until around like 9, 9.30. That's when cortisol dips. And honestly, doing it that way can allow the caffeine to hit you even more and wake you up more efficiently. So, okay, the circadian rhythm, it's doing its thing, but we have the ability to override it when we send conflicting cues like eating and drinking late at night. So the biggest environmental cues we take in that coordinate these internal rhythms are light and food. Okay, so we actually have a master clock in our brain that coordinates all of our other internal clocks, including the circadian clock. Light directly affects that master clock but food affects all the molecular clocks in the body, okay? It can be an override button as to what time of day it is for your body. So one more common example of a circadian disruption that we see is jet lag, right? So like the reason we feel like shit after traveling internationally is the time difference and causing the dysbiosis in our gut. So like I said before, our gut microbes have their own circadian Rhythm, So that becomes disrupted when we're traveling at night, eating at night, and we're going through time differences, time changes, daylight savings, you know, that causes disruptions. And as we know, when our gut is out of whack, we're bound to definitely have some issues. We're bound to feel it in different ways, digestively and health issues and all these other things. So there are huge benefits to time-restricted eating, just to keep this as brief and simple as possible. And these benefits include blood sugar regulation, hormone secretion, blood pressure regulation, cholesterol, improved insulin sensitivity, um, decreased inflammation, brain health, better digestion, and overall longevity. So again, intermittent fasting means you have periods of time where you don't eat at all, whether it's for 24 hours, one or two days a week, or you have very low calorie days, one or two days a week, non-consecutively. Whereas time-restricted eating is that You know, you have an eating window each day and a fasting window each night. And that is what is gonna help you tap into your circadian rhythm. Um, And, you know, I encourage everybody to try it. It's not something that I feel we need to really stress out about. If you're just hanging out at home and you're done eating by seven o'clock and you're not hungry, just give it a shot. Don't eat, don't drink anything until the next morning. Do that as often as you can. Again, I don't think it needs to be obsessed over and messing up this cycle uh, here and there. Of course, we're going out sometimes. We have, you know, obligations we go out weddings whatever it's not going to kill you it's not going to like throw your whole system off but um, it's something to keep in mind and I just wanted to put this out there to kind of educate on what this means how to approach it and why we should even bother because it's just one of those trends that can really get confusing and it's like the telephone game like one person says one thing and then by the time it reaches a few people later nobody even knows what's going on so time-restricted eating can be very beneficial kinogenic diet probably not going to be very beneficial and that's that i really hope that this helps i hope you learned something i hope you know you could take something from it and apply it if you feel like it fits your life uh if you did like this episode i would really really appreciate it if you go to apple podcast leave me a review or a rating i would love for you to do that and again i'm just wishing well for everybody hoping everyone's taking care of themselves and i'll see you guys in the next one have a good week Bye. <laughs>